And welcome inside another edition of Bengals Barn. I am your host, Chris Bengal, back with you. My apologies, life got a little crazy last week and we missed out on an episode, but we are back in the fold this week, ready to go with everything that the NHL has to offer. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Uh, We're going to start off with the most polarizing storyline that everyone's talking about from last night. Of course, it's got to be Jack Eichel returning to Buffalo for just the second time since being traded from the Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights taken on the Sabres in Buffalo last night, and that resulted in a 7-4 win by the Golden Knights. And that was thanks to one Jack Eichel, who absolutely exploded in the third period with a hat trick. He had a hat trick and an assist last night. Had all three goals in that third period, including his first that he scored on a rebound from an Alex Petrangelo point shot. And as soon as he popped that into the back of the net, he made sure he went right over towards the glass, threw his hands up in the air, and he let the Buffalo crowd hear about it. Because throughout pregame warmups, pretty much any time he, ta- he touched the puck, the Buffalo fans were letting him hear about it. And, you know, obviously there's still a lot of bad blood there from the way everything ended. So, you know, Sabres fans are, you know, probably a little irritated that he's not there anymore. So, you know, they're going to get on him every time that he's there, at least probably for the foreseeable future, at least the first couple meetings till that kind of wears off. But Eichel made sure he, you know, kind of taunted the fans a little bit and you know he kind of did get the last laugh I mean he absolutely went off in that third period obviously the third goal was an empty netter but a four-point night a huge win for the Golden Knights they win their ninth in a row just one shy of a franchise record which they set back in April 2021 I believe it was um Eichel becomes just the fifth former Sabres player to have a hat trick against his old team. Um, Tyler Ennis, Pierre Turgeon, guys that have done it in the past. But this just was one of those electric games. One of those games where Eichel felt that he had to take over. Um, It was really, you know, kind of hanging in the balance entering that third period. Uh, Vegas had a 3-2 lead, but obviously Buffalo's been a much improved team this year. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is having a Norris Trophy caliber season so far. Tage Thompson has been phenomenal. Uh, just as as a group, you know, Buffalo has been a really good team and almost a surprise of sorts. So, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a game where Vegas was just going to walk in and, you know, you know, walk all over Buffalo and get the win and go home. So, Eichel, as star players do, rose to the occasion when he needed to. And at this point in the night, with it only being a 3-2 to two game, he gets that first goal, makes it 4-2, to um, you know, gets the next one, then it's a 5-2 to two game, and then, you know, that was it. He was pretty much out of hand at that point and Eichel just was feeling it after that first goal I think he wanted that one in the worst way 
just by his his comments after the game, you could just tell that he wanted to score in front of that crowd in the worst way possible. Uh, obviously, uh, Buffalo won three to one, I believe it was the first time around last March. So obviously, he didn't get to, he didn't get to go in there and kind of be the villain that goes in and gets the win against the former team the first time around. So this time he gets to play that heel role and gets that first goal. And then the second goal was just a phenomenal play. He gets the pass cutting up the center of the ice, corrals the puck, puts it through the five hole of Comrie and just a sensational play. And it was just, it was one of the better games that we've seen for Michael this season. And we've seen a lot of them because he's been absolutely phenomenal. And he's back to the Jack Eichel that I think everybody expected Vegas to be getting. You know, obviously last year heading, you know, after he gets, he gets the spinal fusion surgery. We didn't expect, you know, he probably pushed it to come back a little bit, just wanted to get back on, on the ice and you know, who can really blame him for that, but he wasn't, he probably wasn't a hundred percent. I think everyone can probably agree on that. I mean, obviously, you know, you truly don't know the specifics, but you have to imagine he wasn't near a hundred percent. And now we're seeing what, again, what he's capable of when he's at the top of his game. And that's one of the top centers that the NHL has to offer. So, you know, that's huge for Vegas, and that's why I think, you know, I always thought they'd be back to the playoffs this year. I wasn't sure how they good they would be just because of the goaltending situation with uh, Robin Lerner being out for the whole year. Um, you just didn't know what Logan Thompson was going to give you, but he's been good so far, and, you know, with Eichel being back to the Jack Eichel of old, you know, Vegas is has the best record in the league right now. I mean, they're they've been phenomenal to watch, and you know it it begs the point. Back to Eichel, it's just one thing I'm I really don't understand. It was I don't know if it was a power struggle or what necessarily it was, but I just will never understand why the Sabers didn't want Eichel to get his preferred surgery. Like, why why they didn't want him to get the surgery that he wanted done? Because then none of this happens. He stay, He probably stays in Buffalo. I mean, you know, maybe he gets fed up with the team, way the team's run, and maybe he eventually wants to leave. But it, you know, it didn't sound like at the time that that's what he wanted to do. It was basically all because, you know, they, um, the team you know, didn't allow him to get the surgery he wanted. And then he gets stripped of the captaincy and everything just kind of snowballed from there. So it's, you know, it was an unfortunate situation for the Sabres. Cause if you think about, you know, you know, Eichel's on that team with Darlene, um, you know, maybe they're a little bit better team. So maybe they don't have an Owen power back there on the blue line, but just imagining him in with that group is, you know, interesting to think about, but um, obviously, you know, things happen for a reason and, you know, the situation was that Eichel gets traded to the Golden Knights and gets his preferred surgery. And now the Golden Knights are, you know, this year sitting pretty so far after the first, you know, month and change of the season. So, you know, 
it's going to be real interesting to see if they can keep this up as the season progresses. But if they continue to get good goaltending from Thompson and, you know, Eichel and continues to play like this. And last year, the biggest issue was health. They can stay healthy. I mean, the sky's the limit for how far this team can go. They can definitely make a run to stay in the cup. There's no doubt about it. So, um, but, you know, last night was definitely, definitely, I think, a game that Jack Eichel certainly probably was looking forward to having against the Sabres for a long time. And then a big piece of news today that came out on Friday just actually broke uh, not too long ago, was the NHL announced the World Cup of Hockey has been postponed until at least February 2025. Um, The NHL and the NHLPA put out a statement, uh, quote, over the last year, the NHL and the NHL Players Association have been working on plans to conduct the next World Cup of Hockey, the premier international best-on-best hockey tournament in February 2024. Unfortunately, in the current environment, it is not feasible to hold the World Cup of Hockey at that time. We continue to plan for the next World Cup of Hockey, hopefully hopefully in February 2025, end quote. So, it seems like logistics are a big issue here. Obviously, with it being, it's going to be mid-season in the NHL, and that's only two years out. Um, Also, Obviously, one of the other big issues is the issue with Russia. Russian players participating in this due to Russia's ongoing war with the Ukraine. Um, how that's going to factor into it. Um, this past summer, um, the with the 2022 IIHF World Junior Championship, no Russian or Belarusian national teams um, competed. The IIHF suspended Russian and Belarusian teams, Belarusian teams from any competitions indefinitely. So, you know, that still holds true. And, you know, until some kind of resolution is reached with, you know, Russia's involvement in the war with the Ukraine, I just, you know, who knows if they're going to be able to participate, you know, a couple years down the road. So, you know, it's unfortunate that the World Cup of Hockey is going to get pushed back because that's something that, you know, hockey fans were definitely looking forward to, myself included. It's, you know, awesome to see the best in the world. Obviously, we haven't gotten that with the last couple Olympics even. The last two Olympics have been, um, you know, just amateur players. You've had your collegiate players and then, you know, retired, semi-retired, you know, former AHL, NHL players, but obviously not the same by any means. When you haven't seen your Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid's of the world compete in the Olympics, you know, on an international stage, it's, you know, it's frustrating. So, um, you know, not much is known at this point, but um, World Cup of Hockey at least is postponed until 2025. And, you know, we'll see keep an eye out for what if there's any developments in terms of if we get any more specifics as to you know if 2025 is going to end up being the target date but you know we'll see what happens on that front 
the Edmonton Oilers were dealt a pretty awful blow earlier this week. Um, Winger Evander Kane was placed on injured reserve and is going to miss three to four months after he was cut on his wrist. Uh, During Tuesday's game against the Lightning, um, he had collided with uh, Philip Myers, defenseman for the Lightning, and then uh, Pat Maroon actually skated over the wrist of Kane by accident, and you know Kane obviously got sliced up, got taken to the back, taken to the hospital for further treatment. They were able to stabilize him. Um, I personally, I was not watching that game at the time, and I still have not watched the video. I've heard heard people say it's not as bad as it was. Um, you know, as some have been in the past, but, you know, still not something you want to see, so I figure I'll, I'll steer clear for now. Um, but, you know, this is, it's just awful. You never want to see that because Kanan gotten off to such a solid start and, you know, had really found his place with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, he had 13 points out of the gate, five goals, eight assists in 14 games, before this, um, so you you figure you're losing your top line, one of your top line wingers, and then last year, I mean, once you got past the off the ice stuff, the fake COVID vaccination card, and you know the stuff with Kane and his ex wife, he produced on the ice once he got to Edmonton. It you know it was a great spot for him on a veteran team. You know he he really seemed like he. He was in a good situation. Um, you know, he had 22 goals, 17 assists in 43 games uh, in the regular season last year, and then had 13 goals uh, during Edmonton's run to the Western Conference Final. He was, you know, he was huge. He he just is in a was in a really great spot. I mean, that type of production. Look, I mean, you're not going to replace it. In just one fell swoop with one guy, you're just, you're just not. I mean, he's he's too good of a player. He's so important to what they do. He's just that you know powerful forward that can get into those gritty areas. He's he's got a great shot. He just does so many things well, and you know it's it, it's just a brutal blow, honestly, for the Oilers. Um, you know the time I I don't think. I don't think I believed that he'd be out this long. Um, thought it might be, you know, maybe, maybe like a month or so. But um, obviously, is a it's a pretty serious injury, and it's not, um, you know, it's you know they're going to take their time with it, and hopefully he's able to come back, you know, after the All Star break, and you know, be a producer for this team because the Oilers. Um, are a team that you know many people think can make a deep playoff run, including myself. I mean, I had them, I had them in the Stanley Cup final, and you know, can they still get there? Of course. I mean, you just got to hang around in the playoff race. They don't need to be the number one seed, any of that stuff. Um, but losing somebody of Kane's caliber is is you know, it's it's kind of brutal, and and I mean, who's going to replace him? I mean, we'll look at a couple names here that you know, will be dependent on to, you know, have an increased role. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi 
is a guy that is probably going to pop up on the top line. He did so uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes last night. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's got experience but is not a huge producer. 47 goals, 53 assists over six seasons. Obviously not you know, lighting it up in the scoring department, but a guy who does have um, experience, has played with Connor McDavid, has played with Leon Dreisaitl in the past. Um, you know, so he, you know, he definitely can be a guy that can produce for them. Um, but a guy, the guy that I think I'm most, excited and honestly interested in to see what he does is going to be Dylan Holloway. Uh, he was the Oilers first round pick uh, 14th overall in 2020. Um, I think he's going to probably be the guy that benefits most from Kane's absence. He's going to be a guy that they depend on a lot. Um, he's got a pair of assists in 11 games so far this season Against uh, the Hurricanes last night, registered two shots in 15 minutes, 15 seconds of ice time, which was elevated to, from what he had been seeing. Um, Saul, um, I think he was hovering around 10 minutes or so, um, if I remember correctly. So, you know, an increase there. He nearly tucked in a goal, and then he also earned a penalty shot, um, used his speed to get in the zone. Was uh, hooked a little bit from behind, so he got a penalty shot. He did not score on it. Tried to go forehand to backhand, but uh, Kochetov from the Hurricanes, who's playing with uh, Freddie Anderson on the shelf, uh, he was able to stop him as he went. Tried to go back as Holloway tried to go back to that backhand shot, but um, you know, I liked what I saw. You know, obviously, small sample size right off the bat, but Holloway definitely played with a lot of, you know, a lot of determination. Seemed like a lot of, a lot of moxie. You know, he's a bigger guy, um, six one, a little over two hundred pounds. You know, he's got so he's got some good size to him, and you know, he's a guy that produced in the preseason. Uh, had a hat trick in the preseason against the Canucks, and you know. I really think this is the guy that can have that increased role. He's a very patient player, you know, kind of waits for a shot to develop. Um, if you watch the tape on him, really doesn't, you know, doesn't rush a shot, which is, you know, for a younger player, a lot of times that's something guys struggle with, you know, that as soon as they get the puck, they just want to fire it on net. But he, it seems like he's a very patient player when he gets the puck on his stick, which is, which is good for a younger guy. Um, you know, when he was at Wisconsin, Hobie Baker, award finalist in 2021 for the best player in college hockey. So, I mean, the pedigree is there for this kid, for Dylan Holloway. I really think that there could be something something here. Um, he didn't really play much last year, mostly in the AHL with um, the Oilers, AHL affiliate, and uh, Bakersfield. Uh, did come up for when Kane was suspended for the one playoff game. And they were a little shorthanded. Holloway came up and played a game um, in uh, <clears throat> one of the playoff games last year. I believe is the West Final. And um, so you know he had his he's had experience now. He's gotten his feet wet, and I think we are going to see more 
more production out of him. And he's a guy that I'm going to be looking at, especially over the next next month or so, to see if he can take the next step. And, you know, maybe he can get some goals and, you know, get more involved on the offensive end. And, you know, it was off to a good start last night. Like, I mean, could have scored on a penalty shot. Like, you know, he made a nice move, tried to go forehand, backhand, you know, goalie just read it. It was a nice play. It was a nice play by by the goaltender. So um, I think it's also a, it's also a good thing that he's versatile. Um, he's going to play at the wing. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but he did play center in college, so he does have that versatility. He can play, I think, either side of the wing, and he could also line up at center if Edmonton were to need him to. But I think you're going to see him exclusively at the wing. So I'm interested to see what what Holloway can do going forward. So, but I mean, it was not a good start for the Oilers as a team in their first game without Kane. It was the Hurricanes who, don't get me wrong, Hurricanes are obviously one of the better teams in the entire league. But the Hurricanes absolutely dominated the Oilers last night, 7-2. to It was, you know... They got up 4-1 after two periods, and, you know, it was, they didn't look back. So, is that a sign of things to come? I don't think so. I just think, you know, Edmonton playing a good team, it's going to take a little bit to kind of gel, to juggle the lines. Um, Jay Woodcroft, his head coach, is going to have to think, um, it's probably going to, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve to see what kind of line combinations are going to work with not having a Vander Kane now. So, um, you know, it might be a couple games where it's not the greatest, but um, I think this is too good of a team. They're not going to fall out of the race or anything like that. There's, They're just too good for that. So, you know, um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple weeks to see kind of what forwards separate themselves here with uh, Kane out of the lineup now. Because, I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl can't do much more than they've already been doing. I mean, they're 1-2 in terms of points in the entire NHL. I mean, what you, you can't do much more than those two have done this year. So, um, you know, you're going to need other guys to step up and step to the forefront here. So, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be... Um, something that everybody is going to be having their eye on as we go along the first half of the season here. Also, we have the New Jersey Devils are, if the Golden Knights are the hottest team in the NHL, the New Jersey Devils are right behind them. The Devils are currently riding an eight-game winning streak after beating the Ottawa Senators 4-3 in overtime on Thursday night. Captain Nico Heischer continues to play out of his mind. Scored two goals last night, including tipping home the overtime winner off a point shot from defenseman Dougie Hamilton. Um, Heischer, 16 points on the year, eight goals, eight assists. He's He's been ridiculous. I uh, wrote a column about the Devils last, last Friday, I believe it was, on CBSSports.com. Uh, just about how the Devils, you know, for the last 
10-year stretch or so have been, you know, kind of brutal. They've had a lot of high draft picks and some they haven't hit on and some they've had to wait a little longer for. You've, you know, you had Jack Hughes with the injuries early in his career. Um, he's sure, same thing. And, you know, guys, you know, a lot of analysts said, you know, maybe he's not a top-line center and now he's proven everybody wrong. He's scoring goals. He's a playmaker. He's even doing it in the face-off circle, winning 58.3% of his, his draws. That's good for seventh in the entire league. He's just doing it in so many different facets of the game. That's what a captain does, just affects the game in so many different areas. And that's what he sure is doing so far. And, you know, it's absolutely awesome to see. Um, Devils are off to 11-3-0 record, lead the Metropolitan Division, you're talking about a division they're ahead of the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, the Capitals, all these great teams. And, you know, it's crazy. This is a is this even the same team on opening night that lost to the Flyers? It it you know, it doesn't even seem possible. That seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Um but, you know, offensively, this team is just getting it done. That's one of the biggest reasons for their success. Averaging 3.64 goals per game. Uh, that's sixth in the NHL. Jasper Bratt has been ridiculous. Um, you know, registered at least one point in each of the first 11 games. That was a franchise record. Um, obviously, the, the one negative right now is the goaltending situation. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood, who was playing extremely well, is now out three to six weeks with a sprained MCL. But uh, Vitek Vanek is capable of handling the load. Um, obviously, he was pulled in the third period last night because he um, did have his fair share of struggles, but, um, you know, it's one bad outing. I don't think that's an indictment of him. He's had plenty of success in the past and has played well recently. So I don't, you know, think that's anything for the devils to worry about. Uh, Akira Schmid comes in. Um, he, you know, hadn't played at all since being called up and, you know, 2018 fifth round pick of the Devils. He had a 2 1 1 record, 1.97 goals against, and a 0.918 save percentage on uh, four starts with the Utica Comets in the AHL. He was, he was really their backup goalie, but um, was, that was the one that the Devils chose to, chose to bring up. Um, you know, the kind of younger guy and get his feet wet. And, you know, he excelled last night. He had set, he stopped all seven shots that he faced in both the third period and overtime. He played, I think it was 13 minutes in total, came in for uh came in about midway through the third period uh when Vanek was struggling. So, you know, if they're able to just kind of stay the course with the goaltending and the offense continues to score and put the puck in the back of the net the way they have been, the Devils are going to be just fine until Blackwood comes back because he was playing sensational hockey before he went out. I think they're going to be fine. Um, like I said, this, you know, obviously it's early in the year. Don't get me wrong. It's only, it's November 11th. I get it. But 
this looks like a playoff team. It really does. And for a team that, you know, was in the Stanley Cup final in 2012 and then, you know, over the past 10 seasons has only been in the pl- to the Stanley Cup playoffs one single time, you know, get excited. If you're a Devils fan, you should be absolutely ecstatic. You should be loving this team. Even as someone who always has had a soft spot for the Flyers, I love watching this Devils team play. I mean, there's so much fun to watch. Like, this young group is just sensational. Like, Jack Hughes, Jasper Bratt, Heusher, like, the BMW line. Um, you've got Dougie Hamilton on the blue line. Like, there's just, there's just something fun about this team. They're just... They're a lot of fun to watch. They just, they're gritty. They're, they're, they're skilled. They're just, they're awesome to watch. So if you haven't, even if you're not a Devils fan, if you hadn't had a chance to tune into a Devils game this year, do yourself a favor. Make sure you have, make sure you um, tune into a Devils game and um, you're not going to be disappointed. This is a really fun team to watch. I think, I really do think that they can keep this up. And I think this is a playoff team. I really do. Um, I think once Blackwood gets back, they'll be even, they'll be even more sound. Um, you know, the fact that they've won eight in a row, I, I can't say I saw that coming, but the way they put the puck in the net, I mean, it's not surprising at the end of the day. So, this is again just a really fun team to watch. It's a young group. They've had their growing pains, but they're really rising to the occasion now. And you know, I just I just can't say enough about the kind of hockey that they're playing and what what they've looked like in their early going here. So again, do yourself a favor. Check out the New Jersey Devils, and I think we're gonna be seeing I'll a lot of them come April, May into the playoffs. And we'll wrap up today's episode with Friday's best bets. Um, only four games tonight, and there's honestly not a ton I love. Um, I only got one tonight that uh, I'm going to have for an official play. Um, the Stars over under, I might have been interested in. Um Jake Ottinger potentially could be back, but it's kind of up in the air right now. So um, I'm going to pass on that one for now. But um, my play is going to be the Lightning Capitals under six goals, uh, minus 110 odds. Uh, Odds are via Caesar Sportsbook. Um, You're going to get, it's not official, but uh, Andre Vasilevsky should be in net for the Lightning. Uh, Darcy Kemper, it is confirmed as the goalie for the Washington Capitals. Um, The under is 7-1 in the Capitals' last eight games overall. The under is also 10-3 in the Lightning's last 13 when their opponents score two or fewer goals in their previous game, which the Lightning lost 3-2 to the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday. Um, So, again... I think Vasilevsky will be in there, which would be good for an under. And the Capitals have also scored two or fewer goals in five of their last six games. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of scoring. Um, You know, the Lightning have been putting the puck in the back of the net pretty frequently. But um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if this is a three to one type game, three to two at the most. Um, I think uh, I think you're, we're getting four goals, maybe at the most. Um, so I think six goals is plenty to play with here, and you know, even if somehow Vasilevsky doesn't play, Brian Elliott is a guy that's been there before, a veteran. Um, has played well in spots this year throughout his career. Um, but I anticipate Vasilevsky to be in net. And obviously Kemper is a guy that has plenty of experience as well. And, you know, despite a losing record on the year, has a 2.47 goals against and has been, you know, pretty strong. And I think with the Capitals not scoring a ton, I, I just think the under has to be the play here. So... That's going to wrap up today's episode. Um, Real quick, I just want to plug a little bit of my content over at CBSSports.com. If you get a chance, check out my uh, latest NHL Star Power Index. Those go live uh, usually every Thursday. Um, I just discuss uh, players whose stock may be up or down, um, who's having a big week, things like that. Uh, This week, I focused on... Bo Horvat from the Vancouver Canucks, who's been ridiculous in terms of goals this year, uh, second in the league in goals, which I didn't even realize until I had um, looked at the looked at the stat sheet. So you know he's having a huge year. Um, also um, touched on Nikita Kucherov have having a nice year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you know not doing it. In the scoring column, mostly um, in the assist department, he's been huge. Um, so, so give give that a read, and then um, my uh, colleague Austin Nivison and I did uh, NHL early season overreactions since uh, the season's a little over a month old. Obviously, you know, not too much to be able to form an opinion with, but since we've got you know good. Five, five or so, five six weeks of data here. Made made some bold predictions. I you know went with uh, one of mine was Johnny Gaudreau. Maybe he should have stayed in Calgary. And then you know, then he goes out last night after I had written it and puts up a three point night against the Flyers, but still is only you know got twelve points on the year and you know. I still don't, I don't think anyone still thinks that Columbus was the ideal landing spot. So, um, that's one of, one of the ones I discussed in there. So, um, head over to cbssports.com, give those a read. I would really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Bengals Barn. Enjoy the weekend and, uh, as always enjoy all the hockey. Have a good one guys.